kits are designed for pets, elderly, and people with disabilities during emergency. Oh, cool. It's awesome. Okay. <clears throat> That's amazing. Um, so we are live. I, I caught myself off guard there a little bit, um, but I'm so excited to have Connie Myers on. We're going to be talking about preparedness, being ready, uh, sustainable, and, and, and making sure that we're preparing our communities for crisis because um, it, it can happen. Um, and so this is not a fear-based conversation. It's a readiness-based conversation. And that's why I really appreciate you, Connie. So thank you for, thank you for being here. I am just going to love doing this. Thank you, Jackson, for having me. Absolutely. So as we get ready to talk about kids for kids and, and things beyond, before we do that, um, you've, you've got some leadership experience behind you. Um, so with that, what are three books that you recommend for visionaries or three resources? I actually, I, so I'm a John Maxwell certified coach and his 21 irrefutable laws of leadership is a great place to start to assess where you are and where you need to go and what you need to do to be better. And then there's also a book called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker. He was a Harvard professor that taught happiness. And this book changed my life on how I looked at happiness. I used to always think you had to be successful before you could be happy. And that absolutely is a reverse is true. You have to be happy to be able to be successful. And then there's another fabulous book by Dr. Uh, uh, McDonald. I can't think of her first name. Anyway, it's called The Upside of Stress. And she found out that in her research that we only die from stress if we believe we're going to die from stress. Otherwise, it actually works in our favor. Think about an athlete when they go out on the field, that first stress, that moment of, okay, we've got to do this, and they turn it into action. So those are three great books. Oh, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, all three of those. Those are huge. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's, I want a big fan of John Maxwell. I love Relationships 101 because of how easy it is to read. Um, two, the happiness concept. Like, yeah, I, I can't get enough of happiness. Oh, man, if you want to be a good leader, I mean, what he did and, and the stuff that he did, he's got practical things that, in that book that happened to like hospitals and other businesses when they took his principles to, to practice. It's mm -hmm. amazing. That is so awesome. And then the upside of stress. Um, I'm also, I'm a, I'm a big believer and, and fan of, you know, the concept of reality to me. My, my humble opinion is that adversity, um, you know, is, is something that is, that is for our benefit. Um, you know, whereas it's often, even though it's hard to accept it in the, the time of an event happening, something stressful or something, uh, that we don't, we don't like or don't appreciate, there are opportunities, um, that exist. Oh, you're this. speaking my language. My mm -hmm. first book was called crystalline moments. Crystalline means sparkly or clear. So moments of clarity, and there's always a gift or opportunity. Uh, I'm a prime example of that. My husband passed away in 2011 and I couldn't go back to my old life. And I had to create a new life. So I thank him every day. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if he hadn't passed. That's how big it can be. I tell widows all the time, look for that gift that they've left behind because it's there. You just need to find it. There's a lot of beauty in what you said. Um, it's very sacred territory. And I appreciate you honoring us with that. Um, and uh, in honor of his memory, we're going to cut to a reflective break. Um, and we'll be right back, everybody. Um, enjoy this. This is going to be an absolute pleasure. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there.
Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. I'm excited to have Connie Myers um, on today. We're going to be talking about sustainable, being sustainable, ready, and prepared with uh, for community crisis. And I'm going to own it. I kind of butchered the the grammar on that title. That was my fault. But um, that would be my personal crisis for the day. Um, and maybe Connie will save me from that. Um, so I appreciate her being here. She's uh, an emergency preparedness specialist, and it's going to be fun to dive into her experience and these cool kits she has for kids um, to help kids, um, again, be more prepared for their crisis experiences um, and also just a general sense of comfort. We'll talk about that more when we get into the kits themselves. Um, before we do, I want to talk about some of the sponsors that we have for the show, as these are opportunities for visionaries out there that I've seen. And I'm like, man, I, I wish I had known about these sooner in life um, and saw the opportunity to, to hang along. So first, we're going to start with Sean Lechuga and the Wellness Shop 365. Um, Sean was a featured guest on our show. Um, you can catch that episode where him and Julianne, his wife, um, talk about their approach to integrative nutrition, health and wellness. What really caught my attention about their their program and made me kind of obsess over it and say, wow, this is amazing, is this 365 Wheel of Life that you see on my screen right now. Um, and while this is the preliminary concept for the wheel, the fulfillment of such isn't based on the design. It's based on the assessment. They're actually talking to people about joy and spirituality and creativity, finances, uh, the home environment, relationships, social life. Um, that's holistic wellness at a whole new level that I haven't seen very many um, health coaches dive into. And that type of well-roundedness is something that said, man, these, these people are special. So as I've built a relationship with them over the last six months, um, I've been, I get a lot of behind the scenes access, um, you know, their kids being part of our zoom calls sometimes and seeing them interact as a couple. And, um, I'm sure they're not perfect as a couple. I don't know any couples that are, um, but the love that they share is a reflection to me of the type of dedication they have to wholeness and wellness. Um, and that's a great sign of somebody who can also be a source to lead you to one and the same. Um, so I highly recommend checking out what he's up to. Then there's the law spot, the law spot, uh, com by Melissa Gray. I also hosted her on the show. Um, and I was super hesitant to host an attorney on my show. I was like, man, I'm talking about vision. This is supposed to be fun. And most attorneys have horrible personalities. Sorry to any of you who are attorneys who don't that are offended by that. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm not sorry. We, 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 I want to, I want to work with an attorney who gets me as a human being. I want to work with an attorney who understands how to nurture and protect. And when Melissa stepped on the show, I got to see that firsthand. I was like, wow, here's somebody who understands that, um, law doesn't have to be complicated, that you can stand for your beliefs and make sure to make an impact and, and an argument when you need to, but you can also be a human being and take care of people. So I caught her vision as well of like, wow, okay, we've got, Legal Zoom and Crocodoc and all sorts of like free tools for for you know legal purposes that most of us as entrepreneurs and especially the entrepreneurs, the solopreneurs that are on Rin Route, uh, you turn to. But uh, what I've also found to be true is most of the entrepreneurs I've ever worked with, I'm talking thousands of entrepreneurs from restaurants to SaaS companies, do not have somebody on retainer that they've researched very well, if they have somebody on retainer at all. And in addition to that, when the cease and desist does come or the trademark battle does come, they end up investing a ton more than they would have because they're not prepared to protect themselves legally. So I'm sure 
Connie also can can vouch for that as an emergency preparedness individual. We've got to be, if we want to protect our kingdoms that we're building, then it's very important that we also have fortifications in place to make sure that we're not susceptible to um, different types of terror that can occur, whether it's weather, uh, COVID, <clears throat> diversification of business model, or um, liability protections in the form of in the form of legal. So I hope that helps at least one of you out there. Um, then there's the water project. And the water project is near and dear to my heart. There are 8 billion people in this world um, that struggle to have water. Now, why is this near and dear to my heart? It's not because I've ever suffered with a lack of water. It's because I choose to remember the fact that as somebody who's blessed to have a podcast and that can walk to my sink to get water anytime I want, um, filtered water for crying out loud. Um, you know, we've got this resource and I want to remember there's millions of people in this world who don't. Um, we have an opportunity to make an impact on that. And through the water project, you get to select the community that you want to help. Um, you get updated on what happens to that community and seeing these kids uh, act like water, you know, is, is the, like, they look like they're celebrating Christmas even better than my kids celebrate Christmas. And we celebrate Christmas. Like we're, we're, we're awesome about our celebration with it. So um, it's, it's important for us to remember there's opportunities to give back. Now, if the water project doesn't inspire you because your heart is heavy for something else and you're like, man, I wish you would talk about this project instead, just drop the project in the comments. Give us a chance uh, to see what we can do to help. There's 8 billion people in this world to help and we all have the opportunity to step up and do that. You never know. You might you might be able to give $5 and of course that makes a huge difference. You might share it with somebody who ends up giving $50,000. Never underestimate the power of your voice um, Other and, and know that if the power of voice didn't matter, you wouldn't be tuning into a podcast. Um, so without further ado, Connie Myers, thank you so much for being on, on stage with me. Thanks for joining us on Vision Pros Live. I am definitely looking into that water project. That is yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right down the, uh, the nonprofits road. So I'll definitely look into that and reach out to them. Well, um, my good deed is done for the day and we can end and I, I can know <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome when we can do multiples. Um, so no, thank you for honoring me with that. I'm, I'm excited uh, that, that you got to learn about it. Was this the first time hearing about it? I'd heard about it, but I had, I mean, I need, I just, you gave me the reason to yeah. say move forward. Right. I had heard of it, but I hadn't really done anything about it, but now it's on my to-do list. Yes. Yes. No, absolutely. Um, you know, while we while we get talking about what you do and 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 before we dive into vision, um, I'm going to signal Cynthia to go ahead and start um, sharing your website with the audience. But I'd love to know from your perspective, uh, what do you hope the audience gets out of today um, and and what elements about your background uh, should they should they be paying attention to? Well, I, I have said for many years that I was like a cat with nine lives. I had nine different careers. And in reality, every bit of it was training from my mid-20s to what I'm doing today. So it is uh, really what I want to take away is find something that's near and dear to your heart, what you're passionate about, create the vision for it, and make it happen. Um, if somebody would have said I was going to have a nonprofit and I wanted to help 30 million people be better prepared and more sustainable, uh, before my husband passed away in 2011, I would have said you're nuts. <laughs> and here I am. I'm 75 and I, I, I'm more passionate now about my life and what I'm doing and what the people I'm attracting to it. So when you step into that passion and you know it's right, then it, people show up like this. Like this. I didn't know about you, Jackson. I'm not even sure how you found me. 
<laughs> I don't know how I found you. I think my one of my automations probably found you. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I mean, my my goal. I started attracting people in 2022. I got my 501c3 in December of 2021, and I started asking people, "This is this is what I want to do. This I would, I would really like your help." I have never had a no. I've never had a no, and it's because. We all are concerned about our kids. We're all concerned about what is happening to them. And that's why the first initiative, we're going to be doing others, but the first initiative is called Kids for Kids. And it's all about protecting our kids, whether they're at school, the playground, uh, activities, or if there is an emergency and what they need to do and know. That's awesome. And uh, we'll, we'll be featuring the Kids for Kids on the landing page as well so people can learn more about it. Um, and you got a lot of great content baked into this website as well. Um, so, uh, we'll let's dive into your vision for now. Um, help people grasp the concept of, you know, where all this came from, uh, how they can improve their own visions. If we have some time at the end, uh, we'll dive further into those kits. Uh, we might talk about some of what's, what's in there and, and why they matter, uh, who can get them as well. That, that could also be helpful. So what's your, what's your vision for those that you serve, Connie, what do you hope people yeah, I'm going to stop right there. What's your vision for those that you serve? Well, I used to teach visioning before I started this disaster stuff. And I I want people to, to take a look at the vision of what we can do to protect our planet, our kids. You know, 76% of parents now are worried about their kids' anxiety, fear, and depression. And uh, suicide and PTSD is up something like 50% in the last three years. So my vision is to help change that and, and to make a difference in how we go about looking at it and what we can do to protect our kids. So if you have a vision in your community and you want to help kids, or if you're a part of an organization that wants to help kids, my vision, 30 million seems like a big number, but in reality, I use the number 20%. I'm being very generous by using that number. I want to take it from 20% of being prepared to 25%. That's it. Hey, you're, you're on vision pros live 30 million is or 30 billion or 30. It's your number. You know, we, we respect that. That's awesome. Oh, I think it's amazing. So did you say you used to teach visioning? Is that what you said? I did retreats all over. I did them internationally Uh, called ignite the fire of your business and life. And one, one thing I can tell you is one of the things I taught, is that you cannot go to a vision. You have to come from it. In order to come from it, you have to become it. You have to step into it. So what is it? What are the five senses? What does it feel, smell, look, sound like, right? And then what are you wearing when you're walking out the door in the morning in your vision? What are you? What books are you reading? What podcasts are you listening to? Wow. What are you doing to become that person before the vision actually fulfills itself. And once you create that vision, it just keeps organically growing, just like a business plan. That's amazing. So you were teaching vision fulfillment. Like that's, that's really cool. I'm hoping to do a little bit more of that. Uh, I kind of, because of everything I'm doing with the, and I'm teaching it, I'm teaching it with, with what we're doing with the nonprofit, but I, I want to get back to doing more of the retreats like I was just a few awesome. year anyway. Mm-hmm. I have a saying the, that was inspired by Richard Branson. You can have your cake and you can eat it too. And you can have a conveyor belt of cakes. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So with that said, what's your vision for you? What do you see for yourself, Connie? I want to be known in the world as the person who changed people's lives through preparedness, sustainability, and I want to be a speaker and a writer. I've got I've got six best-selling books. I've got two more I'm working on, and I want to be able to express my my true passion for how you can do well by doing good, how you can make a difference in this world and improve your business and your life all at the same time. My favorite saying is do well by doing good. That's awesome. And I love that. I love that you put that as your title as well on here. Do well by doing good. Um, It shows how committed you are to your mantra. So let's dive into a dark territory now. Uh, Speaking of not doing good. Um, what's your worst leadership experience ever? Well, thank God it was a small group. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was probably about 20 people and, uh, the lights went out and I'm in the middle of my presentation and I've got this PowerPoint and I'm, I'm talking and I've got people all wound up and they're ready to, it was one of my retreats and the electricity went out and thank God I had practiced. But what they did is they all turned on the flashlights on their cell phones. So we did it by flashlight (laughs) and continued on. But yeah, that was, uh, that was something I wasn't anticipating. You know, you try to anticipate all the technical stuff because so many things go wrong, but having the lights go out was not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That was probably the worst. (laughs) That's fair. That's an uncomfortable scenario to be in for sure. Um, and what's your, what's your best leadership experience look like? What I'm doing right now, what I, I mean, everything, like I said, everything I've done in my past has led me to this and seeing people's eyes light up when they hear what I'm doing, when we're talking about the campaign, what, whether we're talking about what we want to do in the world. And it's amazing. The, um, it gives me goosebumps when I when people say to me, oh, my God, this is such a brilliant idea. And and then having people say, Jackson, I used to have the worst case of imposter syndrome you've ever had. As a matter of fact, I've been told that by people. And I did a, I did a board call where I we was. We had just I might be it. able to challenge you on that, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, share, we'll, swap, we'll swap, swap the inner demons in a minute. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so I did a board meeting where it was, we had just brought on about 25 or 30 of the advisory board people. And I asked every one of them why they said yes. And every single one of them started out by saying, well, we couldn't say no to you. And I literally got off of that call and sat and cried for a good hour because I really didn't get it that I actually was worthy. Right. And uh, actually one of the women, the the main woman that told me that I was a a terrible imposter syndrome, was on my board of directors. And she called me afterwards. She says, I could tell that moment, that crystalline moment when it changed. And it was, it was dramatic. Jackson, it was like nothing I've ever experienced before. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, <clears throat> it's amazing. There's visionaries. Um, it's not just visionaries who struggle with imposter syndrome. Um, actually, I digress. 
What's interesting to me is that in my humble experience with the people I've talked to in my life, um, most people live with imposter syndrome and accept it, which is what, which is why visionaries struggle with imposter syndrome because we're breaking out of the shell of what we're told to be by society. And we're yeah. deciding to break through the barriers and say, no, I, I'm going to be me. I'm going to do what I'm meant to do. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I used to say I was like, I'm a farm girl from Nebraska. What you see is what you get. And I, I, I'm not supposed to be alive. I'm supposed to be dead at 14. And what I really feel is that, you know, these crystalline moments I had throughout my life, um, a lot of them I didn't understand until I got to be a little older. And now I look back and my book really helped to bring clarity to it. But also I think that um, once you really start looking at your life and everything is a gift, right? Everything is a crystalline moment. We have them every single day, little ones, big ones. And once we start living our life by those moments, those cross, uh, you know, crosses, ro roads crossing, and you're going to take one direction or the other. I think when you start living that way, all of a sudden, um, you're no longer trying to live in the future. You're living in the moment. And also it becomes more clear um, and it helps a lot with now that I understand how bad my <laughs> imposter syndrome was, I wouldn't say I'm 100% cured of it. I still have doubts and, and like just like everybody else. Yep. But I'm certainly more determined and I'm more, um, I, I couldn't be more passionate about what I'm doing. And I'm 75. It took me a long time. This just happened last year. <laughs> so it's not That's like <laughs> it took I love me a while. That. You know how many people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, I mean, even especially women that feel like in their 30s, their their best is in the past. Like, it's like, whoa, uh, like, what are you doing? No, <laughs> no, no way. No. You know, no, I used to have a podcast called To 70 and Beyond. I took when I turned 70, 30, 90 days before I said, OK, I'm going to show you what it's like to turn 70. And then I was having so much fun done it. I did it for another five years. Uh, but I turned 75 last year, so I have to come up with something new. But like, <laughs> that's great. But I showed people it doesn't matter how old you are, it's all in your head. Yeah. So a big thing on imposter syndrome, grateful for Taylor Welch for teaching this. Um, he does, I don't think he personally knows Michael Phelps, but he uses Michael Phelps as the example of breaking the world record, right? Or breaking his own record. Uh, and when these athletes they're going after these things they've never done before, they're naturally gonna have a thought in their head. You know, and in their heart, like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can. But they they have learned how to conquer that inner doubt that exists there. And so uh, it's not that we're ever going to escape imposter syndrome. Not, not, not unless we decide to settle for never progressing again, never doing anything new. Um, because when you're doing something new, you're naturally going to wonder, can I do this? Um, so let's go into those. Inner, if you don't mind the inner demons, um, I'll share mine first um, of, of my uh, imposter syndrome ran pretty deep with me. Um, and then I'll let and then you go ahead. Feel free. Let's do the one up battle. Um, okay. So my my ultimate, I was five years old at five years old. I went to soccer practice in jeans. What people don't know is I went to soccer practice in jeans because I knew and was mortified that my thighs were fat. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. 
that's that's where my imposter syndrome began um as far as i can remember and it did not you know it 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 was nurtured for years beyond that um <clears throat> but that's where it all started for me yeah well mine uh was actually five years later when i was 10. i was very sick as a child i had a very rare kidney disease and the only reason i'm here today is because of a wonderful couple that have a building named after him at the Mayo Clinic. And I had to spend one night in the hospital and there was another young girl, she was 14 and she had the same rare kidney disease I did. She died two years later. And in that moment, I'd been told I was gonna be okay. And um, in that moment, I thought I have to be really, really, really good. And that dictated how I'd run my life for the next 50 years. And then I went home to my one room schoolhouse and the teacher, her name was Mrs. Headley. We called her Headless Headley. And she, I had to give a story report. Well, one of the byproducts of this disease is you stutter and you wet your pants. And so I never wanted to be around anybody. Now this school, it had 10 kids in the entire school. That's how big it was. Anyway, I had to get in front of the entire school and give a, a little story report. And I stood up there and I stuttered and I hammered and I looked at the floor and I, and I sat down and this was really, truly the beginning of this. I sat down and, and the teacher said, do you know who has the highest IQ in this school and who just gave the worst story report? I was rookie of the year for Metropolitan Life Insurance. I've had all kinds of awards. And every time I had one of those, I didn't feel I deserved it. So I'd worked that much harder, which made me a total horrible workaholic. 50 years later, I finally figured out First of all, the first one was that I needed, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to do good for with other people. I was afraid of dying. And the second one was, look, you've done all this stuff. You deserve whatever reward you get. And that's really when the transition started. But that was, I was, I was 60 years old when I finally started looking at that and, and feeling that. So, and it really wasn't until these people told me that they, they were here for the nonprofit for the kids because I asked them and, and that truly, I mean, it makes a big, big difference. You know, I think the best thing for people to do if they really suffer from this, like you did and I have is find people and that you trust and say, okay, what is good about me and what is bad about me? Give me the facts, right? And you're going to find out there's a whole lot more good than bad. And if you don't, it's time to change your circle. That would be my Absolutely. next invitation. <clears throat> I, I do agree with that. Your circle of five, your circle of 10, um, building building relationships with people who are going to look for your great and be grateful for the good that you are super powerful and helpful. Thank you for that, Connie. And anybody that wants to share in the comments, there, there's this exercise that people do at these motivational conferences. I think it's pretty cool where they write like their negative impression of themselves on a board and then they break the board. Um, you know, it's like a, a breakthrough opportunity. Well, we can virtually do that. We don't have to have a board um, to get the same satisfaction. If you want to share uh, what one of your imposter syndrome realities is, absolutely feel free to share that in the comments. Um, you know, we'll be happy to engage with that. And, and hopefully everybody's respectful of everybody else in the process. Um, but it can be helpful to be involved in a community that, that supports you and where you realize you're not the only one who thinks uh, interesting things like that. You mentioned another one, Connie. You mentioned about um you know being i can't remember exactly what you said but it reminded me of my conversation with my kids this weekend where i was telling them when i was eight years old i was baptized and i was so worried beforehand because i knew my sister lacy 
love you to death, Lacey. I knew she was going to piss me off at some point, you know, <laughs> over the next 24 hours, I was going to sin and I was going to go to hell. Nobody told me that. Nobody ever like indoctrinated me with that. I just knew it. And I think it was Looney Tunes, like seeing the heaven and the hell, you know, and their, and their renditions of it. Like, I don't want to go to hell. But I also don't want to play the harp in heaven. Like that sounds boring. Um, yeah, you know, that's, that's what my boyfriend like, says. Man, I went for like <laughs> ten years. You know, I was worried about like both heaven and hell are going to suck, um, and 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 I'm going to end up going to hell anyway. Um, you know, like which side am I on? And my kids are just dying of laughter. I'm like, oh, cool. They're never going to worry about this um, in their life. So it's amazing what happens when when we share our own little imposter syndrome realities with people, and they can. They can destroy the boogeyman for us on the spot. Um, Connie, go ahead. You had another thought. I'll let you uh, it Well, I was going to say, so one of the things I do at my retreats is I either bring dishes and they write on the dishes uh, things and they throw them in the can and they have to break the dish. Or if I'm at the beach, I get sand dollars and they write them on the sand dollars and we put them out to the ocean. So um, getting just recognizing it and getting rid of it and getting it out of your head makes a big, it's how I start every one of my retreats or workshops is with some kind of an exercise like that. So I totally get it. One, It works. That's cool. It really works. Yeah. Yeah. Power of visualization, the power of pulling our physical reality together with our mental capacity. A uh, lot of, lot of tools available for us. Um, thank you for, for sharing those ideas. Uh, you can do that on your own. You don't have to be in a group. Um, that'd be cool too. So what powerful lesson, if this is your last opportunity to share one lesson with visionaries to learn from your experience, what would it be? Oh boy. Um, no, I call them crystal. I know it. you can call them whatever it is you want to call them. But when those occur, even if it's just a thought or an event, it could be a, an event that's like two seconds, or it could be an event that lasts days or weeks or months, but just know that there is a gift and an opportunity in every one of those, it's not failure. There's no such thing as failure. Failure is just a, a change, change in, in direction. Which direction are you going to go? And paying attention to those those crystalline moments that just pop into your head and you have a choice to make. If you know that if there's a gift or opportunity, then that's what you're going to be looking for. And that changes the chemistry of your brain. So that it's looking for that success and for what that vision is going to be. That's awesome. And to double down on that, again, uh, it, it doesn't make it easy uh, when you have adversity, when you have challenges, when you have trauma experiences. And it is oftentimes our greatest adversities that end up refining, creating our greatest strengths. Um, Absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, at the same time, <clears throat> we've got to find ourselves in a, in a position to accept that. Um, and, and maybe there's a, there's a period of grief required first. Maybe there's a period Absolutely. of suffering um, that's required Absolutely. first. Um, I say maybe. Um, I know there's there's formulas for it. Um, and at the same time, I've seen instant cases. Um, you know, it, it's But your past not predetermined by anybody else. It's just yours as a visionary. So follow your heart, follow your mind. Um, you know, find great people again uh, to surround and support and great practices. And um, hopefully the the great experiences will come and you'll see it sooner than later. Um, that's, that's what I hope for you. I, I think that, um, especially if you lose a loved one in my book, there talks about a woman that talks about losing two children, nine years apart, and she Jeez. wouldn't be doing what she's doing today. If that hadn't happened. 
and she sees the gifts and she's changing people's lives all across Canada. She has a clinic set up for mental illness. And the there's always, I tell the widows, I send my book out to all kinds of people. And I usually wait until after it's been like six months or maybe a year. If it's before that, they have to do the grieving. That's part of it. But then, as a matter of fact, the first book I ever sent out to a widow, she called me on the phone. She goes, what do you mean there's a gift in this? And I said, that's when I realized I needed to wait to send the book out. And I, a few months later, she called me. She says, I get it now. I get it. Hmm. And um, even if, what I tell people, it, whatever that trauma is that you're going through, just put it in the back of your head. I don't know what the gift is right now, but it's going to show up. It's going to yeah. be there. And if we get stuck in the grief, we need to go back to that and say, okay, what was the gift this person left me? And, and look for it, really look for it because it's going to be there. Like I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be talking to you, Jackson, if my husband hadn't passed away. We celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary four days before he died. We had an amazing marriage. And I, I thank him every single day because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. If he See, that's me. awesome. Uh, here's the, the correlation with that. First off, congratulations on an ultra successful marriage. Um, that's something that I hold sacred, um, that I honor. I'm twice divorced. Um, and I am grateful for the mothers, the two mothers of my four children um, and what they, you know, they tried, they gave their best. I gave my best, um, in the marriage and it didn't work out different reasons for different occasions. At Absolutely. the same time, I don't have to buy into this culture of, you know, party for the divorce, you know, you know, and, 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 no. you know, I don't have to buy into this culture of creating an enemy out of that individual, no matter how they choose to respond towards me. Um, right. I, I get the choice to decide how am I going to behave in this process? Um, how am I going to, um, how am I going to rise up? You know, am I going to be the type of person who divides my child's personality um, and their identity? Or can I do my best to model what my mom did? My mom always honored my father and um, everybody who knows him in life knows how difficult that can be. I love my dad. It's hard to say that, but he's got to take ownership too over his life. Um, so she, she was always super supportive. And what that did was it, it never made me doubt myself. It helped me overcome the yeah. challenges that existed from, and, and it helped me at the end of the day, realize I was probably like 12 by the time I was finally like 100% mom's always honest. Mom's always wonderful about this reality. And dad's always a victim and always blaming others. Um, so I, I had a clear compass and guide because of the way she handled that. So um, if that's Absolutely. helpful to any of you, um, it's just, again, it's back to that adversity challenges. Um, doesn't matter if it's a divorce, doesn't matter if it's a death. It doesn't matter if it's whatever it is, it, you know, it's a, a diagnosis that you receive. Um, I'm so inspired by those who, who step into that and are able to see the blessing in disguise. 100%. My, my first husband, I had three kids. My youngest was three months old when I left him. And um, I always honored my husband, my ex-husband. I mean, I always, the kids never heard me say anything bad about him. It just was a bad relationship. It, did, yeah. it just didn't work. That's all. That's all. Mm -hmm. We had two different ways of looking at how we wanted our lives to be. Yep. And it you, you can't, some, some of those things you just can't, they collide. They just won't work. Yeah. 
And and so that's yeah, I understand one hundred percent. And you, you you know you're you're you've, you're stepping into that gift and that opportunity by yeah. honoring them and by honoring your children with what what kind of life they're going to have because of your of your understanding of all that. That's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not always again always easy to do. Um, and when we we step into that, it's amazing how much easier life can be. Life won't be easy, but it can be easier. Right. Okay, I read that sentence again. Sustainable, ready, and prepared with community crisis expert Connie. So sometimes it's not the grammar. Sometimes it's the person who's trying to read. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of illiterate in the moment. So we have it. Sustainable, ready, and prepared with community crisis. Let's let's talk about um, sustainability, readiness, preparedness, or let's dive right into the kits for kids. This is your your vision, Connie. So which one do you want to dive into first? Oh, you got the kit right this there. This is the kit. Is this the kit for kids? This is the kit for kids. It gets Velcroed oh. into the bottom of a kid's everyday backpack. It looks like a little bit larger than a, a case for glasses, correct? It is. It's a little bit bigger than that. And it'll fit in every most every backpack. And it gets Velcroed in so it doesn't come out with the books and all that. It has a tracker. It has a whistle, a light. It has stop the bleed bandages. It has a Mylar blanket, a sanitizer bottle. And uh, we're going to be adding. It has emergency numbers. And I include, by the way, the tracker not only tracks where the child is or the, or the kid is, but it also, there's a place to record on it. So the parents can record a message that if something does happen, they can calm the child down. We include two meditations and a prayer that was written by one of my board members who works, he has 49 churches, 49,000 churches in his database. And, and then there's emergency numbers. And I talked to a woman yesterday, we're going to be adding information about, she teaches about uh, social media protection. So this goes in the bottom of the backpack. We have a whole educational thing around it. We're going to promote it through what we're calling our Kits for Kids spokesperson campaign. We want Kits for Kids ambassadors, small voices in big impact. And we're going to have kids wow. provide us with one minute videos of why they want to be the Kits for Kids ambassador in their neighborhoods where they are anywhere from five to 17 years old. And now we have an army of kids out there. And, you know, kids are the best salespeople on the planet. So we now have these kids out there talking about preparedness. And while they're getting their kids, we're talking to the parents about what they have in their emergency kit at home. 99.9% .9 of parents do not have kits for their kids at home. So this represents 40% of what goes into that kit. And they get a list of what needs to go in it for their emergency kit. But the kids are out there now talking about, you know, how do we get, I'm in the second floor. How do I get out of the house if you can't get to me, if there's a fire? How, when, when are we going to do that? was me and my mom all the time. I <laughs> wanted a rope ladder so bad. It had nothing to do with preparedness. But I was trying so hard to get her to get me a rope ladder. <laughs> so you could escape, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I would have broke my arm four times more. Well, so teaching the kids. And kids are worried about the planet these days. I mean, I tell people, look, I don't care whether you believe in climate change or not. You're paying the bill. You're paying the bill. The, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration does a total dollars on weather related, not other kinds, other related disasters. And in 2022, it was $145 billion. In 2022, or I'm sorry, 2023, it was $174 billion. And we have one out of home, four homes now are uh, at risk of being too high to insure. One out of four. 
So we're going to have these little voices out there saying, mom and dad, what are we doing about this? We're going to be feeding them information. And that's how we're going to get to 30 million. 30 million. It also comes with a digital version of when the unthinkable people Some people call this brainwashing. Some people call this education. Um, you know, you can call well, what it. What do the Girl Scouts cook? What do the Girl Scouts do with our cookies? Huh? They're doing the same thing. They're right. brainwashing them, thinking we all have to have Girl Scout cookies, right? Or educating, right? Education, it's, it's exactly. What somebody wants to call it. Um, you know, like you, you do you. You can feel how you want about it. I think it's awesome. Uh, maybe, yeah. you, know, you can call me brainwashed if you want to. Um, so but we're looking, to, we're looking for community people to help us with this. So if anybody's interested in wanting to help uh, the kids in their neighborhoods and their communities, please reach out to me because this is going to be a fun. I've been told by several media people that it's going to go viral. So yeah, I'm I want to. Well, it, that's right. And that virality component when you, you've got you got all the foundation for this, Connie, um, you got all the foundation. And I love sharing this story with people. In fact, I'll drop it in the, the comments so people have it. But it's a very special training that I do with my clients on the power of five. Um, and it's based on Mark Victor Hansen um, uh, and, and the book, The Chicken Soup for the Soul. Are you familiar with the story of how they promoted um, that book? Yes. Yes. I love that story. So, tell, tell us. Tell us your, your version of it. What'd you hear? Well, okay. So I was involved with uh, a lady that was very involved with some multi-level stuff. And she introduced me to a woman that wrote, I forget which chicken soup it was. And I said, so basically what they're doing is they're coming up with all these different topics and having people write books about the chicken soup and whatever their yeah. thing is. And I said, that is brilliant. That is really brilliant that you're, you're letting people express what their, their knowledge is and you're promoting these books that are, and I, I don't know if that's the same thing as what you're talking about, but that. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's, that's why I asked. It's an angle that I hadn't, I hadn't really considered, but that does tie closer to the kids for kids strategy. The, the reality of how it got, it didn't catch on fire. It didn't, it didn't go very far initially. They worked for two years straight, making sure to do the power five contacts. And what they did was they decided each one of them, the, the two writers of the book would contact whether it was, uh, a friend, a celebrity, a radio station, a local bookstore, um, you know, a church, they would go and talk to people. And they did that for two years straight, five wow. contacts per day. Um, and eventually they ended up sending, um, they ended up asking the judge for the OJ Simpson trial, if they could send the books, a copy of the books to all of the members of the, the jury because they had so much downtime and hours of time to, to kill. And then every single one of those jury members came out with the book in hand from what I understand of the story, but it got national press and attention and bam, it started to, to scale from there and it became, you know, arguably the most successful book, uh, modern book of all time. Um, that didn't happen overnight. Um, but that diligence, their dedication to the process, their good luck event came because of the amount of effort they put into to putting it out there, making sure that they were leading as a great leader for the cause. So I think it's great. I think the kits are awesome. Um, how can I get one for my kids? How do I get, how do I get one? You can just reach out and go on be prepared, be ready.org uh -huh. and send a little note. We haven't got, we're putting up a store right now. We don't have it yet. Um, but you can, and we'll ask you to make a donation to the nonprofit of $25. If you buy them in bulk, they go down in price. Yeah. But um, 
yeah, just reach out on the Be Prepared, Be Ready, and we'll give you the instructions of what to do and let us know you want the kits and that's what we'll give you. That's cool. Um, it's, you know, my, my kids are the type of kids that and I, I think most kids are, <clears throat> but they, they would dive into this and look at everything and play. My son would use a band aid right away just to use it. Um, you know, <laughs> just to have, but that's okay. He's experimenting with opportunities to learn, growth, prepare. Like now he knows how to put it on when it actually happens. Like sometimes as parents, we try to over control stuff, guilty <laughs> as charged, um, and almost everything, but I, I've learned. I learned to back out of the way um, and let them just explore and, and play. They would still say, no, dad, you're still a helicopter parent. Um, <laughs> I'm recovering. I'm trying not to be. But right. <laughs> those, you know, they, they learn so much. They absorb to the experience of, of messing with stuff like that. And I want uh, you to think about something for a minute. Excuse yeah, me, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you. Um, how old are your kids? 12, 10, 8, and 3. Okay, well, the, the old three older ones are the perfect age for the kids for kids. Mm -hmm. When you talk to your children about passion, what they're passionate about, and you explain, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you've had conversations about what to do if something happens at school and, and how to um, protect themselves as much as possible. And do they ever express anything about, you know, what's going to happen to our world? Or if they don't, bring that topic oh, up. Yeah. Because they have internal fear about it anyway. Yeah. Well, we talked about Russia. Uh, they they had questions for me about that. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it's it's. I think it, having your kids have these conversations. Yeah. And what's really cool, I mean, we if you don't, they will have it with their cousins. They will yeah. have it with their best friends. They will have it with people who have less. I absolutely know that because I am the product of those scenarios, right? So no, we pulled mm -hmm. up a clip, a trailer from Red Dawn. Um, which is actually a Russian invasion movie. Um, you know, I made sure it was filtered appropriately. And, and we had a talk about the reality of the boogeyman that's not under the bed, um, you know, and the reality that we do know what to do. We have a plan. And within a matter of weeks, they no longer talk about it, think about it, worry about it from what I know. But we, because they're prepared. we facilitate. We have an opportunity to talk. Anytime yeah. things like that happen, um, they, they, as far as I can tell, they feel very safe to talk to me about lots of subjects that I'm like, oh boy, um, cool, good. <laughs> we, we'll figure out how to have this conversation without also upsetting the other parental side. So we have we have different challenges with that. But we as as parents, we do have an opportunity, um, right, a responsibility to um, to have these conversations, and it's through people like yourself and C.J. Scarlett's book, Heroic Parenting, as well. I've learned some amazing things just in the first few pages of reading that, like. Huh, cool. I can, I can, this is a dialogue to have with my kids that will help boost the confidence of our existing relationships. So. Yeah. Well, the, the book that I, the last book that I wrote, when the unthinkable happens, be prepared, be ready is a reference guide. And it tells you what to have in all your kits and what to do. Right. Cause mindset is 90%. One thing I want to mention is every one of us is a first responder before yeah. the, the police yeah. or the EMT show up we have to know what to do. And what that does is it makes us resilient. And that's the beauty of kids knowing what they need to do. They are resilient. And so many adults underestimate the ability of our kids. I love where our kids are at today. I have two of the most amazing granddaughters on the planet. And I have to tell you, I mean, I don't really know where they came from. <laughs> I don't think it's any of my genes, that's for sure. But the bottom line is, 
kids are making a difference. They're making a huge, as a matter of fact, there was a lawsuit in September in Montana. There were, there were 15 kids ages five to 22 that sued the state of Montana because there's all kinds of oil wells in Montana and they weren't monitoring the emissions. Hmm. The kids won. Hmm. They won because it's their future that they're concerned about. And now there's like cases all across the country that, that say, terrible. you know, I need to, we need to think about what our kids' futures look like. I tell you, I have a great grandson that's seven years old. And, you know, what is, what's it going to look like when he's 47? Right. It's so cool to this, this type of preparedness um, can be applied in many facets. Um, it oh, can be absolutely. related to, uh, you know, knowing what to do in those emergencies. Um, my son and I happened to get in touch with uh, my automation again, got me in touch with Bones. He's the lighting production coordinator for Toby Keith, oh, um, wow. legendary country singer. Right. And so uh, Bones and I ended up building up a little bit of a relationship. And it just so happened to be my son's birthday that weekend. Um, so I said, Hey, Emerson, he, you know, he wanted to buy a guitar. I'm like, what if we send a video to bones, um, and ask him if we can get our hands on a signed guitar from Toby Keith, um, you know, and I'd, I'd pay for it, you know? And so Emerson sat down, did the video with me. Um, and we sent that to bones and bones sent back a video saying happy birthday to Emerson, showing him a tour of the studio. Um, you know, and maybe no guitar comes out. That's okay. We let him know it was okay too. We were respectful of the process, but what my son has learned in terms of putting yourself out there, being willing to make requests, you know, uh, having this experience and the excitement he felt when he saw that the bones, you know, of, of Tony, of Toby Keith responded, um, like the, that, that puts, that puts a, a purpose within you that you just, you know, 100%. Oh, what oh, a you know, it's like, oh, that is. I'm so excited for him. You know, like if I could have had that, <laughs> You know, like at his age, you know, the things that would have would have gone after and wanted to pursue. So I just, you know, we all, we all have the opportunity as parents to do little things like that to influence our children for good. Um, we're all going to make mistakes in the process, too, of course. Um, nobody's, nobody's perfect. But visionaries, I hope that you took some notes on this one. Uh, Connie dropped some serious values of wisdom. Um, and if you have some of your own, of course, to to give, provide those in the comments. If you have any questions for us, don't hesitate to hit us up with those. We're going to wrap up kind of fast on this one, but if you also have a vision of your own to share, then don't hesitate to apply to be our guest, uh, come to our process. And, um, you know, if you've got a, a vision that's meant to help the world, whether it's your local community, your own family, um, you know, or the, the entire globe, uh, don't hesitate to share it um, with, with anybody that is going to support you and uplift you in the process. And that's exactly what this program is designed for. Connie, any final thoughts before I, I shut it down? I, I think I just want to back up what you just said. I think we all have something in our heart or something that we're passionate about that we all make the world a better place. Find that cause and do something. Just do something with it. If it's just having a simple conversation, have it. Um, it it's, I can tell you personally what I have been gifted with this whole process. And believe you me, there were times I didn't know about the non, I, whether I could continue with the nonprofit or not. It was overwhelming. But the thing I've learned is that you keep putting that foot in front of the other and the gifts are overwhelming. So just find that passion. Vision pros. You heard it from the vision fulfillment expert herself, Connie Myers. 
Appreciate having you on the show. Everybody have a fantastic rest of your day and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show and thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent time building out your 